bring you Christian greetings this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The title of my meditation this morning is Vessels of Clay. Just a bit of review. We looked, we're looking at the life of Gideon, the book of Judges, and uh, I looked at his life, a chosen vessel, uh, initially, the aspect of him worshiping God. I looked at him as a vessel of service, God using him in a way to accomplish his purposes and goals. This morning I want to look at him as a vessel of clay. And uh, why, why can we have a Sunday school lesson like we had that happened how many years ago? And it's still applicable. We're vessels of clay. We're made of the same things. We're sitting here as an audience this morning. I'm behind this pulpit this morning as a vessel of clay. And that's... that's, that's you know, that's fragile. We're fragile. You're fragile. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges again. <clears throat> Chapter 7. I might just remind you of the conflict uh, or the setting that's taking place here. And it was a conflict. Chapter 6, verse 33 then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. So there's a conflict pending. And uh, Gideon is used, being used as a vessel of God to provide deliverance uh, for his people. Howbeit, he's a vessel of clay. And uh, God desires yet to use you and I as vessels of clay today. Begin reading at chapter, uh, chapter 7, Judges, uh, verse 1. Then Jeroboam, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from the mound of Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, every one that bowed down upon his knee to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouths, was, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. And the people took victuals in their hand, and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, unto his tent, and retained those three hundred men, and the host of Midian was beneath them in the valley. I'll stop reading there for now. The first point I want you to consider as you and me this morning as vessels of clay is the importance of having confidence in God. Uh, you look at what we, the description we have here, 
Uh, as I meditated on that first part of the chapter here in verse 7, I thought of all the things that probably Gideon could have been putting his confidence in. Uh, you might think, well, what about location? You know, in, uh, I think it's in sales, they say location, location, location. That's what makes sales. <laughs> you got to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, I imagine the truth, that could be true to a certain extent in a battle. I've never uh, engineered a conflict necessarily, don't it, at least intentionally. <laughs> I don't intend to either. But uh, location, uh, look at what he had going for him by a well. Uh, it looks as if this place was elevated perhaps over the Midianites. It talks about them being down in the valley. And it talks about them as being a host as nearable as grasshoppers. And here's Gideon with his few, uh, uh, his supporters there. Location. Uh, another thing I thought about, it says he rose up early. Uh, I like to get up early. Uh, you know, he's an early riser. Uh, I'm thinking from a strategy standpoint, he's thinking, well, maybe surprise. You know, the person who gets the... The first, uh, you know, catch him by surprise. Time, early. Uh, perhaps his men around him could have been looking at, at uh, Gideon rather than to the Lord. You know, Gideon had, had, had some credentials to him. He seemed to be very, very courageous. You've got to give him that. Up to this point, he's, he's, you know, he tore down the trees there around his father's family's uh, idol worship, and uh, seemingly without suffering a lot of consequences. You know, he was very courageous. Uh, he seemed to show some good leadership style. Uh, seemed to have a lot of good thinking. We, we probably use the word, uh, you know, he had good savviness. Uh, well, what about the numbers? Uh, you know, that was probably the one negative thing that probably you, from a strategic standpoint, you say, well, that's probably where you're lacking. Gideon, you've got everything else going for you, but the numbers just don't quite stack up. You know, we're not told exactly what the uh, exact number of the enemy is, and I don't know that God ever does tell us what the, the number, what the equation is. But he does tell us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And uh, I don't know if Gideon knew that or not. I, it seems like he had an understanding of that by the way God worked through him, that that when God intends to accomplish something, when God has a plan, God has a purpose, it will happen. And he was willing to be used of God, even though he was a vessel of clay, and even though the numbers didn't stack up. There's a verse in uh, Zechariah. I might just take uh, time and just turn to those verses. Zechariah chapter 4. Uh, read uh, verses 6 through 10. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by a power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, his hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. 
For who hath despised the day of small things? That's a lot, some impressive truth there. Uh, God speaking at another time through another prophet. Uh, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. The day of small things. I think as we think of uh, you and me this morning as being vessels of clay, if we're going to place our confidence in God, and that's the first point I think we need to emphasize. If we are going to have success in our Christian walk, our confidence needs to be in God. We need to be conscious of my own weakness. We need to be confident, rather, in God's strength. I'd like to just give you some New Testament. These are Old Testament scriptures. I'd like to just give you some New Testament scriptures to consider along with those thoughts this morning. Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses uh, 19 and 20. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Clearly, God's concept of working with numbers is different than our concept. We're gathered here this morning as a small flock. And uh, Luke mentions that specifically in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And uh, sheep, children, are helpless and dependent. But yet God clearly told in his earthly ministry and through his word that that is what the kingdom of God is built up and made up of, sheep and kingdom. Are there things that threaten our confidence in God this morning, I ask you? Our whole materialistic society, I believe, is, is a threat. We talk about crunching the numbers sometimes. I believe, while it's a biblical principle to plan ahead, and we can look to the verses there in, I'm in Luke here, I'm just going to page ahead, Luke 14, 28. It's a biblical principle to make plans and to plan ahead. But if that planning conflicts with our confidence in God, then I think we need to be careful. But this is what Luke has to say. In Luke 14, verse 20, it says, For which of you intending to build a tower, setteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether, it, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, What king going to make war against another king setteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? That's a little different number equation than what we have there in the book of Judges. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambition and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. God wants our, our confidence in him, not in the numbers. And I believe all of our, uh, all of our planning needs to be viewed in the context of in which we have it in the book of James. Again, these are New Testament verses that I'm, I'm drawing your attention to. James chapter uh, 4, verses 13 and uh, 13 through 17. As we think about planning, 
Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then is vanished away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boasting, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's the context in which we need to do and consider all of our planning. If it's the Lord's will, uh, indeed, those verses there in James clearly bring out we are vessels of clay. We're here for just a short time. Dennis talked about that in the opening. You know, from one generation to the next, and the generations just keep moving on and on and on. And the responsibility of raising families and uh, raising children for the Lord keeps being passed on. How, uh, how successful are we at that? And it goes back to our Sunday school lesson, too. Uh, you know, are we, are we uh, successfully um, fulfilling our obligation as children of God? Confidence in God. Our confidence needs to be in God. The, uh, going back to Judges again, the second thing that I want to point out, I think, as we think of ourselves as vessels of clay, is the courage. And courage is a close co uh, a companion to confidence. You have somebody that's confident, they've laid the groundwork for being a courageous person. Uh, notice in verse 3, that was the criteria. It says, whosoever is fearful and afraid was allowed to go home. Uh, you know, and this wasn't the first time that actually God came to his people and said, you know, that's the criteria that, that these people can be left go. There's another time in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 20 where we find that as well. Deuteronomy 20 verses uh, 1 through 9. When thou goest... Uh, here he's, he's using, uh, I believe it's, uh, he's laying out the uh, criteria for battle. And he says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemy, and seest horses and chariots and people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be, when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And the officers shall speak uh, unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house and hath not dedicated? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle. Another man dedicated. And what man is he that hath planted a vineyard and hath not yet eaten of it? Let him go also and return unto his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man eat of it. And what is... And what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in battle. Another man take her. And the officer shall speak further unto the people. And they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and fainthearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his, as well as his heart. And it shall be when the officers have made an end of speaking unto the people, they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. And I think... Uh, and God, in his wisdom, knew the danger of, of the, contagiousness, the contagiousness of discouragement. Okay, he says, if they're already faint-hearted, they're fearful, think of the impact that's going to have. But it can work the other way, too. You have somebody that's courageous and, and ready for the conflict, it can have a powerful impact on those that are around him. 
My desire this morning would be to inspire you to courage, to stand true. And I was reminded of the uh, psalmist of David, Psalm 56. I'm going to just read through that psalm. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresses me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they wrestle my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the, peop the people, O God. Thou tellest my wonderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? That's an interesting expression. Asking God to put his tears into a bottle. It's all right to cry. Uh, God knows. God sees the tears. And uh, verse 9, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? God expects us. I like that last phrase, that God expects us to walk before him in the light of the living. This is our day of opportunity. This is our day of expressing who God is. God wants to shine our lights through earthen vessels and for his glory. And we'll get to that later on. Um, that was David's testimony. Can we make it our testimony? Can that, uh, in, that courage, that spirit of encouragement, take hold of our lives and be our expression and, and our testimony as well? John, verse six, uh, John chapter 6, verses 66 through uh, 69. Again, going back to some New Testament uh, verses here. John 6. From that time, this is a uh, talk about discouragement. We're talking about those that turned back from the conquest in Judges there with Gideon. Jesus not only, uh, per Jesus personally experienced that too. It says as he gave some sayings, I think Glenn mentioned this Sunday evening, uh, as Jesus gave some sayings that were hard for them to understand. And verse 66 starts out, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? I'll stop reading there. But... Uh, Today, will we be among those that are with the courageous going forward in the Lord's work, or will we turn our back? The Apostle Paul also, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, is another illustration. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I have penciled in there by verse 7 the idea of self-discipline. 
And the, the impact that self-discipline can have on, on courage uh, is uh, there's a connection there. Not that we're trusting in our own strength, but again, it, it, it's tied together with our confidence in God. Again, notice that, what he tells Timothy there, Paul. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Uh, what a difference courage rooted in the confidence of God can make in our successfully living the Christian life and being victorious in our conflicts. Courage is a disposition that I admire, most people admire, people that are courageous. But, you know, how do we go about getting courage? There's three things I'd like you to think about as we think about being courageous. Uh, first of all, I think it's our focus on God. Uh, he's bigger than us. It's his program. It's his plan. We're the vessels of clay. Our focus needs to be on God. Um, and I think Gideon uh, very aptly exemplified that. His uh, relationship with God was very close. His focus was on him. His focus wasn't on the numbers. His, his focus wasn't on the enemies, how many was out there to destroy him. Uh, Gideon very, very clearly his focus was on God and his plan, his purpose. The second thing, these are all G, by the way, so we're focusing on God. The second thing is the goal. Uh, I don't believe, if we could have interviewed Gideon, uh, you know, as the news media would do today before the conflict and say, well, you know, what do you think, what are your options? I think Gideon would have said, I don't have a plan B. We're going all the way. And uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 is is what I think we as Christians need to be reminded of. This is the words of the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend for that which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I guess that's what I want to emphasize this morning. We need to keep our focus on the goal. Focus on God. Focus on the goal. It's his purpose, his plan. God doesn't have a plan B. He wants us. He wants to use us. He wants to keep us pressing on. Well, as we think of, of building courage in our lives, in our walk with the Lord, focusing on God, focusing on the goal, the third thing is, I think, the aspect of glory. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. You know, this is where we get tripped up many times. We, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 17 and 18 but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not that he commandeth himself, for not he that commandeth, him, commandeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Am I looking for self-glorification, or am I looking to find approval of the Lord? Uh, the glory is to him. You know, the enemy of courage is discouragement. Why do we get discouraged? Well... No recognition, no credit. Uh, what difference does it make? Um, you know, I already mentioned, I think in the Sunday school lesson, was it about sermon after sermon? You know, we just keep on preaching. 
but you know, it's not what I have to say. It's really what's in the word of the Lord. And, you know, I'm only here to inspire courage in you as individuals to go home and commit yourselves to putting your confidence in the Lord and to uh, finding your courage in, in doing what he has called you to do. Uh, you have a mission. You have a purpose. You are a vessel of clay. God designed us that way. We're not invincible, but yet God makes us uh, usable vessels in building his kingdom. Well, the third point that I want to think about is the aspect of the conquest, and I, I stopped reading before we got through the, the aspect of the conquest here, and I'm going to pick up reading at verse, uh, uh, verses 9 through 14 are the, are the, uh, the account where God, I thought it was interesting there, I might just mention that, um, you know, God came to Gideon and uh, told him, he said that, uh, you know, if you're still just feeling a little bit apprehensive, this is in my own words, he said, you can go down. And he took him down to the camp of the Midianites there. And, and while he was there, then God reconfirmed uh, the victory for Gideon by the dream that he heard these two Midianites telling him. And, uh, you know, that was, that was just all Gideon needed. And then verse 15, we find the conquest, conquest taking place here. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped. I thought that was impressive. That, you know, we, we looked at one of the other aspects of Gideon's walk with the Lord and, 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 the, and the idea of worship. And here we find that continuing on. We want to have confidence in the Lord. We want to have courage. You know, it needs to be coupled together with the worship of the Lord. He returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian. And he divided to 300 men. Now he's down to just 300 men. Divided them into three companies, and he put a trumpet in each man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came in unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the hosts fled to Bathsheba and Sarath, and to the borders of Abel-Moholah, unto Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of all Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. I'll stop reading there. But uh, as we think of conquest in our walk with the Lord, uh, you know, this was not the first time trumpets were used in a conquest, and I don't know if you thought about that. Anyone tell me where else uh, earlier in the experiences of the children of Israel that trumpets were used? Okay, Jericho. How did them walls fall? That was at least a part of the walls falling down. It was the blowing of the trumpet. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. You think of the trumpet, it was a signal. Many times it was a signal for gathering. Uh, it was a single signal to march. It was also a sound or a signal during battle. Uh, I'm just looking at their uh, weaponry here, you know, trumpets, going for a conquest. You know, what's the likelihood of you know, success. The Midianites, they were, they were warriors. They were fighters. Uh, here's this feeble few uh, with their trumpets and their pitchers and their lamps and their pitchers. Uh, empty pitchers. I don't know where they got the pitchers from. They were probably earthen pitchers. Uh, but uh, 
probably clay pictures depicting us, I believe, type there perhaps. Uh, they were empty of anything else but the lamp that was burning within. I think maybe perhaps signifying the, the presence of God in our lives as earthen vessels. Uh, but you know, the conquest wasn't done until that picture was broken. And uh, we need to be broken before the Lord. There's a New Testament, uh, Paul writes here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that parallels this experience very closely. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So we keep on going regardless what the enemy may be, regardless how outnumbered we may be. We continue going on. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts and given the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this. Now notice this, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not about me. It's, not a, it's God working through us. Uh, again, that vessel, we need to be broken. That light needs to shine out. And again, it's so that God can have the glory and the conquest, conquest can be won. Gideon, I think, in verse 17 is a type of Christ. You know, I don't know if you caught that as we read through there. He says, look unto me and do likewise. Uh, you know, very simple instructions. He, and, you know, as they gathered around that camp, and as he did, as he directed them, so did the 300 followers. He was a deliverer, one to follow. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we find uh, another New Testament verse that would parallel that. Another thing that impressed me, verses, uh, verses 21 and verse 22, I don't know if you noticed that. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And they did their, uh, verse 22, they did their thing, they blew their trumpets and broke their pitchers. But the thing that impressed me was they stood every man in his place. God is counting on each one of us here this morning to stand in our place. And, uh, you know, that's when the conquest can be won. So as we think of uh, vessels of clay this morning, confidence in God, we think of the courage it takes, not in our own strength, but in the Lord. And uh, we think of the conquest that can be the result if we are faithful in standing in our place. The conquest, of course, was successful. And uh, there's an interesting thing that uh, happens in chapter 8. I may pick that up later, perhaps. But for that, I'm going to stop this morning. Uh, our focus on God and uh, our focus on the goal and our focus on the glory, I think, will inspire us to courage, uh, regardless of what we may face in our Christian walk with him. So may God's name be glorified through this experience in the Old Testament. Even as they were vessels of clay, we are vessels of clay. Different time, different place, but yet God desires to use us. 
and again for his glory.